as I said at the beginning of the service, that at the end we should go with this learning that with the help of God, I will. We will dwell on the gospel portion that is read to us. Normally during the service of the word, we don't stand for the gospel reading. That's the reason a bit of a confusion was created today. Um, during communion service, we stand, but then we proclaim that this is the gospel of the Lord. But in ordinary service, we simply say, this is the word of the Lord. Anyway, sorry for the confusion. Now let's get back to this parable. It's an interesting story. Normally in all Jesus' parables, characters are not named. They are left unnamed. Um, for example, in the Good Samaritan uh, parable, nobody was named. A Samaritan, a Levi, a priest, and the one who was injured. Nobody was named. Even in Prodigal Son, the parable of the lost son, nobody was named. But in this parable, in this only parable, there are two names mentioned, Abraham and Lazarus. It is mentioned with the purpose that we will come to that little later. But scholars think that, oh, because names are mentioned, they are real story. No, I don't think it's a real story, but Jesus always says parables from what is happening in this world are real happenings he picks up in a parable form. Now, this parable is in continuation of what we studied last week. God or money, which one would you follow? That was our discussion last week. And this particular story is also said in that uh, particular context. Let's look at the background in which this particular story is said. Pharisees were the lovers of money. They loved money. Someone said, Pharisees are the inventors of prosperity gospel. Their understanding is this, that we followed God, we followed God's commandments, and therefore he made us rich. We are rich, it's all because we have received, we have followed the commandments of God sincerely. So their idea is this, that you are rich, you are blessed, you are poor, you are cursed. That's the kind of an idea they always brought forth. So they ridiculed poor, they despised the poor. But you, we need to remember that the entire Bible talks about taking care of the poor. We need to be mindful of the poor that are around us. We cannot ignore them. That's what the entire Bible talks about. It. Even in our first lesson from Amos talks about people not taking care of the poor. They being a rich is not a big problem. But the problem is that during this time, Amos prophecy 
very clearly said that they ignored the poor, they rejected the poor, and that was the reason they were going to go through for a tough time and they were destroyed. Now, we need to know that the wealth is no indication of God's favor or blessing. We shouldn't think that I am rich, it's all because God is abundantly uh, uh, in, in favor of me. That's not the understanding. Of course, I'm not going to go in detail there. But we shouldn't think that my wealth is all because uh, of the favor that I received from God. That understanding is a dangerous understanding. Let us not go into that today. Probably in some other time, we will look into that. By looking at this parable, we shouldn't come to the conclusion that poor, all poor will go to heaven and all rich will go to hell. That's not the understanding we should get from this parable. In other words, this parable clearly says that the rich man thought that the money will get him everything. Money is what his priority. He was following wealth. He thinks that wealth can buy him everything. That's not the case with the poor man Lazarus. Lazarus means God is my help. The word Lazarus comes from Eleazar or Eleazar, which means God is my help. He is help. He is living with the help of God, and therefore he got into heaven. We shouldn't say that rich man will go to hell and poor man will go to heaven. That's not the understanding. He ended up going to hell. It is all because he pursued money. He thought that money would get him everything. This particular parable is so interesting. It is all because of its contrasts and reversals contrast and reversals. What is the contrast? Extremely rich, extremely poor. The reversal is extremely, uh, the poor man become extremely rich and the rich man becoming extremely poor. The rich man lived in a gated community, in a protected em en environment, whereas the poor lived outside the gate. The reversal took place. Now the poor man lives in heaven, uh, sitting uh, on the bosom of uh, Abraham, whereas the rich man is outside. Rich man was comforted all through his life on this earth, but um, he had everything. The poor man did not have anything but now the poor man has got everything, but the rich man does not even have a drop of water. So it has got contrasts and reversals to give us an important message, which we will come to that little later. In other, yeah. Now let's go and see what is about, uh, why, why the rich man ended in hell. Uh, that's our first topic and then we will go to the second one. First we will look at the rich man. The rich man was rejected. It is all because 
of his self-centeredness. He was full of himself, full of himself. He dressed in purple and fine linen. Uh, what does that mean? Purple, of course, in those days, getting a purple robe is not easy at all. This particular purple, you get it from sea, sea snail uh, in Mediterranean Sea. And to get a purple coat, you may have to catch up thousands of that sea snail. And uh, when you open it, a little uh, dot, you may get it. With that, they had the purple coat, very expensive coat that he had. Not only that, he had uh, linen, um, uh, fine linen, which is costlier than gold. In other words, he was wearing costly dress all the days, all the days. He was drinking, eating, and enjoying everything. He talks about five brothers, but none of his brothers sat with him and had meal with him. He was fully, he was full of himself. He only thought about himself. Uh, and you, you would say that he, he is self-centered. So that's the problem. Amos prophesied about the people of Israel, the Northern Kingdom, because they lived in prosperity full of prosperity. Jeroboam II uh, was the king. He was a king for 41 years. And during his time, the entire nation uh, enjoyed uh, prosperity. People could buy costly things, uh, perfumes, and all costly things were available. But they lived for themselves, and they never looked for the need of the poor who is around the corner. Second problem that I see with him is that every day was a feasting day. He feasted all seven days of the week. He enjoyed all seven days. That is against the law of the Lord. What the Ten Commandments says, the Fourth Commandment says, you work all six days a week and the seventh day is a resting day. You work all six days and then come and take rest on the seventh day, but he was resting all seven days. In other words, he is lazy, a lazy man. Someone said, laziness is the mother of all bad habits. Laziness is the mother of all bad habits. He was totally immersed with wealth that uh, he never felt the need of going and working. Laziness is evil. Someone said, one thing, necess one thing necessary for triumph of evil is that good, man, good men do nothing. If we don't do good thing, evil will grow. That's the idea. And this man has got full of resources and he should have got into some kind of a good work which he did not do. And that's the reason 
he, uh, the, the, uh, he failed uh, to uh, uh, take care of the need of the one who is there at his footstep or, or at his doorstep. Paul talks about idleness. Uh, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, you would notice that Paul very clearly says, if you don't work, don't eat. Laziness should not be there with any Christian. That's what he uh, uh, strongly advocates. Christians should be working very hard. We cannot uh, sit and uh, be lazy. Uh, if you look at uh, the entire Bible, God always called people who were working. He called fishermen when, while they were uh, well, just finished uh, fishing. And even in the Old Testament, he called Moses while he was, uh, you know, uh, shepherding. God always asked us to work. No resting uh, for six days. The seventh day is given for uh, resting. Now, we need to uh, think a little more clearly on this. This man did not take care of the poor who is just there in front of him. He did not take care of him. It's all because he was too immersed in his wealth. Not only that, he never felt that he is obligated to the poor who is outside there. And the Lazarus never asked him any help. If you look at this passage, the rich man has done anything wrong. And uh, that's what we always think. Oh, he has done anything, nothing wrong. He, he is perfectly enjoying his time. He has got wealth, so he is enjoying. That's what we think. But that's not the case. He has the ability to help, but he is not helping. See, what we do is not only matters, what we don't do matters as well. He failed to recognize the need of the one who is just lying there in front of him. Failed to recognize. He had enough resources to help, but he did not help. Uh, I want to read a Bible verse from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is your power to do it. When you can do it, do it. Don't withhold this. If you look at the charity giving of the world, uh, I look at a survey from America. It's exclusively from American context. The charity giving is slowly declining. In 2016, 69% of the people in America gave some kind of a charity, but in 2018, it declined to 65%. When I looked at the survey, I could see some more things. Two important things came out. The rich uh, normally don't give. The rich, uh, filthy rich don't give. And secondly, 
you know, it, it's, it's a general statement. Please don't take it too. Uh, 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 this is the idea that the, the, the site gave me. And secondly, people who donate, they don't know whom they are donating. They simply donate because somebody asked them. They give blindly. They don't know whom the money is going. Most of the um, donors don't know where the money is going. Why this is important to us? It is important to us because we want to somehow wash our hands. This much only I can give. I have done my part. I, I, it's not my responsibility to look for whom the money is going. The man is right in front of you, but we are not worried about that person who is in front of us, but we are worried about somebody else, but we also don't know whether the money is reaching. You know, Mother Teresa, wherever she went uh, for her um, visit, people were impressed about her work. They said, Mother Teresa, we want to come with you and join the work with you in, Cal in Calcutta. But Mother Teresa always said, don't come to Calcutta, find Calcutta in your own neighborhood. There are always people around you. Go and find out. Find the Calcutta in your neighborhood. Now, rich man, uh, you know, uh, I made a calculation about my riches. Um, so uh, there is a website called How Rich Am I? So I had to put my salary into it and uh, how many people uh, whom I am responsible that I have to put the household number and then they give you a statistics. Um, how rich am I? When I put it, I found out that I am one among the top 10% richest people in the world. In other words, 90% of the world population behind me. That is what important, 90% of the world population behind me. We need to be thinking this carefully. Bible talks about multiplication of our resources. No, uh, you know, let us not misunderstand that. If you have five, you have to make 10. If you have two, you have to make Four, if you have one, you cannot hide it. Bible certainly talks about multiplication of our resources, but Bible is not happy when we accumulate wealth. We have to go to John the Baptist. John the Baptist very clearly says, if you have two, give one. We need to be multiplying, but let us not go on accumulating. Now, let's go and learn from uh, Lazarus. What has he done that he should be given to heaven? Uh, he should be taken to heaven. You know, if you look at the original meaning, he was dumped at the uh, gate of the rich man. Probably he was found uh, in the temple, at the gate of the temple. Uh, the competition was so high, so somebody showed him mercy and said, you know, the competition is very high, you wouldn't get anything. Okay, let me take you, and, and he dumped him. That means he couldn't help himself. That's very clear here. Uh, the unclean, 
animal, dog, came and licked his wounds. A very pathetic scene. Uh, he has to be given his dignity. He is created in the image of God and he is an indignified person lying there. But as I said earlier, Lazarus, God is my help. He trusted in the Lord and he lived with the help of God and therefore he ended up going to heaven. Now we have a beautiful uh, words from Matthew chapter 5, one of the B attitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? Blessed are the poor in spirit, the one who realizes that he cannot do anything. The one who realizes the need of God. One who acknowledges the uh, help of God will be given the uh, heaven and that's exactly the case with this Lazarus he knew that he cannot help himself his help has to come from outside and that help is from God and therefore he went to heaven now whether I have a lot of money whether I have no money I need the help of God he is the creator he designed me such a way that I cannot live without his help. That's how I, he has designed me. And when I realize that I need the help of God, when I realize that I cannot help myself, but my help has to come from the Lord, there uh, the heaven is given to me. I couldn't help myself. That's the reason Jesus came to this world and took my place and died on the cross and rose again the third day. He helped me. And that's how I'm going to go to heaven with the help of God. Now, in our Anglican liturgy, we have got this beautiful thing. Whenever you run a confirmation service, baptism service, or even uh, on 8th of October, my licensing service is going to be uh, held here. In all these services, questions are asked, and the candidate will say, with the help of God, I will. Will you reject the devil and all rebellion against God? With the help of God, I will. Yes, I need to acknowledge that. I need God in my life for my uh, journey on this earth. With the help of God, I will. He went through suffering. Lazarus certainly went through suffering. No relief was given to him on this earth. He suffered through. But we need to remember that most of the Christian ministers suffered. They suffered. They suffered and they are still suffering. They are still suffering. But when suffering comes, two things can happen. One is you are drawn closer to God or you go away from God. Suffering can be used as a means to draw closer to God. I think Lazarus has done that very beautifully. Now, what can we learn from this parable? Two things I think we can learn. Number one, 
heaven and hell are real. In a survey about heaven, 80% of the people said heaven is real. But 60% of the people said hell is also real. In other words, more people believing in the, presence, uh, the existence of heaven, but less people believe in the existence of hell. If hell is real, heaven is real. Eternal life and eternal punishment both are real. But this parable is not talking so much about the future, but this parable is talking about our present time. What I do on this earth has got implications for the world to come. That's the implication uh, that we need to be aware of it. What I do on this earth has got its implication for the world to come. So we need to be always saying that with the help of God, I will. In this world, everything is together, everybody is together. Everyone comes together, live together. Rich and the poor, the needy, the downtrodden, uh, the elite, everybody live together. But when we come into the next life, in that the division is very clear. People who lived with the help of God would live on the other side. People who lived with the help of money will live on the other side. No way people can cross from one side to another. The rich man cried and said, send Lazarus back to our home. There are five brothers who should not come to this tormented place. Now, the answer was very beautifully given. They have been given Moses and the prophets. Enough teaching has already been given. No additional thing will be given. Enough, enough, Bible, enough uh, teaching has been given. The Bible is given, and that should be sufficient. I still remember um, when I was a missionary in one of the states in India, very difficult state. I was very young, uh, my coworker and I, probably I was 22 years old at that time, my coworker and I were going village after village preaching the gospel. And once we were going to a village, um, you know, he was on his cycle and I was on my cycle, we were surrounded by uh, young men, strong young men. They knew that we were going to every village and preach about Jesus. They stopped us. And one of them shouted at me, said, what are you doing here? I said, we have come to preach about God. And he said, where is your God? I was a very young boy. <laughs> I did not know how to answer to him. With a feeble voice, I said, why don't you come to my house? We will sit and talk. Then they all laughed and said, look, he has left God at his home and came. I did not know what to do, but something struck me immediately. Then I looked at them and asked, do you know Delhi? Delhi is uh, one of the cities in India. This is a capital city in India. They said, uh, yes, we know Delhi exists. I asked them, have you visited Delhi? And they said, no, we have not visited Delhi. Uh, 
do you believe that Delhi exists? Yeah, we have seen in the map and it exists. Immediately I took out my Bible and said, heaven is real, God is real, hell is real, everything is written here, go and read. And I started distributing and they allowed me to go away. Everything is written. We don't need to have anything extra. I'll finish with this illustration. A police officer stopped a speedy car. He stopped the speedy car uh, and he gave the ticket. The woman driver was very angry. She snatched the ticket from him and said, you go straight to hell. You go straight to hell. Now, the police officer was offended. He went to court. He wanted further punishment to be given to this woman driver. The judge looked at it, and the, and the judge said, you know, he thought that the judge would be on his favor, but the judge very beautifully said, um, it wasn't, it wasn't a command or wish, but a statement of fact. What she said is a statement of fact, for going to hell is a possibility. For going to hell is a possibility. She just said that it is up to you whether you are going to heaven or hell. For going to heaven is a possibility. For going to hell is also a possibility. If we live with the help of God, we will reach there. May the dear Lord bless us all. Amen.